Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is Alexei Balagansky. He's a lead analyst with Kupinger Coal, focusing on cybersecurity and much more. Hi, Alexei. Hello, Matthias. I'm so glad to be back in our podcast this year. Yeah, great to have you again. And uh, as we have seen already, lots of things have happened in the meantime since we had our last podcast episode together. I have been talking with John Tolbert, our colleague, as the first episode of this year, 2021. And we talked about the solar winds, Solari Gate uh, incident. And I think we should start with that and to catch up with that and what happened in the meantime since John and I have been talking about that. What is the main takeaway that you, now that we are six to eight weeks into this incident, what are your key takeaways when you think about this incident? What can we learn from that? Well, first of all, of course, it's uh, really amazing kind of uh, the incident on its own, the uh, observed in isolation, isn't really that unique. I mean, the worst things have happened earlier. What kind of the uh, repercussions of this whole incident are really kind of still can be seen and heard weeks and months after the event in very different areas. I mean, for the analysts, for the forensic experts like antivirus manufacturers and so on, this is of course a textbook case, great uh, opportunity to learn new stuff, new technologies to kind of train the research teams for software vendors, especially like security companies, it's a great marketing opportunity. Everybody yeah. is now selling you uh, their products or with the implication that with the product X or service Y, you would have been absolutely protected from those hackers, right? The politicians are talking about cyber war conflicts and stuff like that. I'd really rather not touch that topic at all. But for the general public, if you will, and for us analysts, I think the most important things to consider is like, what are the long-term implications of this? So yeah, absolutely, we will see marketing campaigns and advertising. Uh, we will probably see a, a sharp uh, rise in interest in this whole uh, software composition security or whatever. The question is like, is that enough? Is it all? I would argue no. We have to think even further in the future. We have to think about it in our, as a bigger picture, as a, for the lack of better word, a kind of holistic view of this whole problem. And to me, this all starts with how do we make our software more secure? So it's really actively protecting ourselves from events like that, preventing this from happening, which would be the strategies to achieve that, to to make sure that this, even if it happens to others, uh, it does not happen to us. Well, I guess the biggest problem is that kind of making a secure software was never a profitable business. I mean, there's a really rare exceptions like banks, which are highly regulated by governments, or like space flight, where kind of the, the margin of error is extremely narrow and people die because of a software bar. In every other industry, making software secure, it just doesn't pay. If you bring your software to the market as fast as possible, even if it's only half working, uh, um, minimal value product, uh, beta version, alpha version, early access, that's the way how it, how it worked for at least several decades. 
And only now we start to understand that this approach is actually pretty dangerous in the long term. And now somehow we have to reorient the whole software development industry, if you will, into a different direction. So yeah, absolutely, it starts with some technical measures and technologies as well, but not only with them. Governments have to be involved or, I don't know, public pressure, grassroots campaigns, if you will, as analysts, uh, vendors themselves, everyone has to rethink, like, why are we doing software this way and not the other way? Right, but that's also something that we, if we look at a, a different area, if we look at, for example, AI where um, or machine learning, to be more precise, where um, regulators step in and say, okay, we need to make sure that we understand what's going on within a a model, what is going on within the machine learning processes to make it explainable, to understand what is happening in there. So there is an impetus to to move towards more secure, more understandable approaches. Um, so maybe also regulators could play a role when it comes to making software more secure. So having an external force pressuring the software vendors, but also all end user organization towards more security, would that be an approach? Well, one great advantage, I believe, the AI field has uh, against the kind of software development in general, that it's really new. It's in Uh, involves a lot of really bright academic people and it draws a lot of uh, attention from the press, from the public and of course from the regulators. So yeah, with uh, AI, we have a pretty clear understanding that if something goes wrong with AI, we will end up with Skynet, like the Terminators. So even people who have absolutely no idea how AI works, they at least feel the potential risks, right? With quote-unquote more traditional software, people just don't feel it. They don't see like the worst thing which would happen if my game crashes or my Word document doesn't save properly, right? If this is the only risks people are thinking about, they are not inclined to invest more into security. And that's exactly the biggest problem. It's exactly the challenge. And one great thing that happened finally after the solar wind incident is that people at least start to think about things like, well, It's not just uh, hackers and threats, it's like I mean, risks. I am a businessman, I do not understand hackers, but I understand risks mm. and I understand mitigations. So they are now thinking about this in uh, the same terms or at least similar terms they used to think about in more physical world scenarios. Like every business has to have measures against physical risks. Like what if power goes out, what if uh, a natural catastrophe happens, uh, what if an, well, a pandemic happens. Or <laughs> and uh, software uh, supply chain risk management is just as important as we have just recently learned. Right. When, when organizations are focusing on what they are really good at, where they excel, they rely for everything else on services provided by third parties. And that is exactly what happened here as well. Many organizations were relying on the functionality, on the services that SolarWinds provided to them um, without applying proper risk management. That would lead to organizations being in the situation that risks can occur from everything else that they actually do not control themselves unless they are applying proper risk management here. And that is what you are aiming at, really looking at controlling, understanding, mitigating the risks that come from everything else that we do not do ourselves and embed, combine to our 
own products. How, how could that look like? Well, again, first of all, we really have to learn from the businesses themselves because companies, I don't know, automotive manufacturers, construction companies, retail banks, they all have dealt with supply chain risks for decades, for centuries maybe. I mean, power, transportation, uh, farmers that deliver produce to your uh, supermarket. This is all supply chain risks, right? And in reality, uh, it's not that very much different from a cyber supply chain risks. Yeah, of course, we are dealing with uh, immaterial goods here, like we're dealing with software, but uh, the controls which have to be in place are at least similar and the processes are similar. And uh, the implications of those risks, as we finally understand now, are also similar or at least comparable in uh, potential losses. So it's just uh, an additional field of risk management to incorporate into your business processes and planning. And of course, it has to be translated into some specific technology and real controls in place. But unless businesses start to understand that, yes, IT is just another area of supply chain risk management, well, nothing will happen. Right. So we have talked about awareness, about the, the willingness to understand that there is a risk as the starting point to, to calculate that into the equation of creating solutions in, uh, apart from market success, apart from uh, delivering quick and fast and agile solutions to also have the risk approach in mind as a starting point. The second you mentioned is the cyber supply chain risk management as a result of that, being aware to make that um, efficient and to really apply that to the processes. When we take the next step, what would be then the, the, the technical outcome, the actual um, technical measures to mitigate these risks when it comes to creating your own software and when it comes to judging um, software services, um, infrastructure services that you're consuming from somebody else? What would be the areas to look at? Well, it's actually uh, very uh, good that you just mentioned uh, creating your own software because many companies believe that if they aren't actually in software development business, and they do not create their own software. In fact, they do. It's just kind of the wrong kind of software. Because even uh, if your like finance department is using Excel spreadsheets to manage your finances, it's still kind of quote unquote your software you're relying on. And if there is a bug in your Excel macro which handles your bank payments or whatever uh, tax calculations. That's again, it's your software problem in the end, right? So I would say that, uh, again, awareness that uh, software security starts with securing your own software, and that starts with designing your software development around secure processes is the key. It's like the opener to all the, the technologies which you can employ afterwards. And of course, uh, designing secure software starts with our uh, those DevOps people like, like this term, shifting left, right? So the earlier you include your uh, security controls into your software development, the better. Ideally, you should start thinking about security even before you start writing your code. So whenever we are talking about developing your own software, uh, you should really uh, remember that software can be really, really different. Some companies would uh, focus on like highly skilled and large internal 
departments even designing mission-critical business software. Those have totally different requirements. They would probably uh, have to invest a lot into specialized tools like software code analysis for finding potential bugs in your code before that code even goes into compiling and then production. They, of course, absolutely need to invest in software composition security, basically understanding that every uh, third-party component, open source or not, you include in your, in your application is a potential security hole. So you have to understand which risks come with those uh, third-party libraries and SDKs and software. But even companies which only employ uh, like non-developers and all those quote-unquote citizen developers, they already have to start thinking about software security because even, as I just mentioned, that Excel uh, spreadsheet is a potentially extremely insecure piece of software. And if you are thinking about uh, investing into a proper low-code slash uh, no-code application development platform, those come with their own sets of risks as well. And unfortunately, uh, as long as uh, many companies treat those no-code platforms as Excel replacements, software security is absolutely not on their priority list, right? And this is extremely wrong. And there are very few uh, no-code or low-code vendors that are actually placing security uh, on top of their priority list. And this is something that has to change. Okay, so maybe that is also a call to action for software vendors to start inv investing in that? Absolutely. Again, so th this whole citizen development uh, as a movement is uh, now extremely popular and growing, which means that uh, companies will uh, adopt uh, those uh, solutions more and more, and they will start teaching their users to create their own programs to deal with some small problems uh, on their workplace. The problem is that if they start teaching them the same way they, they taught developers 50 years ago, nothing will change. If you are adopting a, a low-code application paradigm, but you're only treated as a replacement for your Excel spreadsheet, nothing will change. And this is exactly what we have to avoid. Right. So we have talked today about three very important aspects uh, closely connected to, to what we've seen in the SolarWinds incident, but also uh, beyond that to make own applications secure, to apply proper risk management also to uh, software infrastructure, to software development processes. I think there are at least um, three or four more episodes um, for this podcast could um come as a result of our discussion today. Um, I would like to recommend to our audience to, to check our website as usual because cyber supply chain risk management, but also awareness applying proper risk management in general, but also secure software development, as you've mentioned, uh, are aspects where you can find much more information on our website, in our research documents, in our webinar recordings, but also in our blog posts. Uh, thank you very much, Alexei, for giving that insight. We will continue that discussion. I think it's really important to, to also raise more awareness for these important topics, be they sexy or not. Uh, so it's really important to continue th at that point. Any final remarks from you um, before we close? Yes, but I would really like to stress again that, yes, as an analyst house, we offer a lot of uh, research which covers all those technical implementation uh, details, if you will. So we publish all the research on API security, for example, or database security. And we will do much more with regards to 
source code security as well. But again, those are tools. And unless your company uh, finally understands that we are not talking about magic or we are not talking about sophisticated hackers or any political things, we are talking about basic risk management hygiene, which any sensible business have to have in place all the time. So again, before uh, uh, investing in those tools, you have to start with your strategies and your business policies and your risk management uh, extended to cybersecurity and IT and uh, cyber supply chain. Because tools tend to give you the feeling that uh, just buying those tools solves your problem. Unfortunately, it doesn't. You have to start with a strategy and then follow up with tools. Right. Two, two thoughts come to my mind. First, um, this root saying that a fool with a tool still is a fool. And um, on the other hand, your early blog post about the cargo cult of cybersecurity that we ho have already covered in this podcast already. But I think that is something that we can pick up in an upcoming episode as well, because I think that fits neatly in here. For today, thank you very much, Alexei, for being my guest today and for talking about these interesting and really challenging topics. Thank you, Alexei. Well, thank you, Matthias. And talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.